Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. Let me read a few verses and then I'm going to refer to a couple other passages uh, um, that this is recorded in. The Bible said in verse number 16 uh, of the Gospel of John chapter number 6, And when evening or even was now come, his disciples went down into the sea and entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was now dark and Jesus was not come to them. And the sea arose by reason of a great wind uh, that blew. So when uh, they that had borrowed uh, five and twenty and thirty furlongs, or so when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, uh, they see Jesus walking on the sea uh, and drawing near unto the ship, uh, and they were afraid. And he saith unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whether they went. Now, Father, you know the need of the service this morning, and God, I pray that you would help us today. I pray, God, that you'd guide our thoughts, God. I pray, Lord, that you'd give us clear speech and a clear mind today. God, help us to say the words only you would have us to say today, God. And I pray that if there'd be anybody here today lost, God, that you'd save them. Anybody here uh, out of your will, God, that you'd bring them back close to you, God. Father, thank you so much for what you're doing in our church, God. And I pray that you'd continue to bless it in Jesus' name. That name that's above every name, we pray it. Uh, Amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to look uh, in verse number 20 where the Bible said, It is I, be not afraid. Uh, I want to use that this morning and just preach to you a little while uh, about it is I, be not afraid. uh, Or preach to you just simply on the storms of life. Whenever you read this passage of Scripture, uh, you'll find out that Matthew chapter number 14 uh, and Mark chapter number 6 also uh, records this story. Matthew records some things uh, that's not here in John. Also, Mark uh, records some things uh, that are not here in John's account of this. Now, hear me and hear me well because Matthew and Mark and John... uh, all say something a little bit different about this encounter. It does not mean that there is contradictions in the Bible. Somebody give me an amen right there. It simply means there was three different men that saw it three different ways. Every person in this room could say something different about the service that we're having today. Does that mean that their stories contradict each other? No. It means that us through the eye of the flesh sees things different. So as we look at this, we 
still refer back and forth through the other two Gospels at what they say. Note again what he says in verse number 20. Again, think about this, these disciples, and let me just, I'm going to say this quickly in passing. Most of the disciples on this boat was not a stranger to the sea. They was not a stranger to sailing in that day. Matter of fact, part of them was professional fishermen in their day. So the storm and the sea was not something that they was a stranger to. However, there was something different about this storm that they was in. Know what the Bible said in verse number 20. But he saith unto them, it is I, be not afraid. In looking at this story, two things uh, comes to my mind about the Lord Jesus Christ uh, by way of introduction. Number one, I see this. Uh, I see his uh, foreknowledge. As the great I am, the master knew uh, of the approach of what we would know uh, as a hurricane. Nevertheless, in spite of this, Matthew and Mark both tell us that Jesus tells his disciples to get into the boat and go to the other side. Jesus, in his foreknowledge, knows that there will be a storm that they are going to run into. However, Jesus still tells them to get into the boat and go to the other side. Jesus, in his own can I say it this way? God, they're the same one. Somebody say amen. God in his sovereignty and God in his foreknowledge knows that there will be storms that we face in our life. He knows that there will be hard times that we encounter along the way. Yet in his foreknowledge, he still sends us the way that he does. You say, why? I can't tell you why. All we can do is trust God. Amen. His providence and his sovereignty all goes hand in hand together. There's his foreknowledge, but watch this. There's his foreplanning. If he knew of the storm's approach... He also knew what he intended to do when it's fierce and when the force of this fierce storm threatened their safety because he loved them. Christ was never too late. Christ was never too early. Christ was always right on time, every place that he ever went. So in his foreknowledge, he knew a storm would be there. But in his foreplanning, he also knew that he would go to them in the midst of their storm and on the very thing that they feared was going to take their life, walk to them on it. You see, God may know that you're headed for a storm, but God also knows what he can do for you in your storm. Let me show you three things about this this morning. Number one, I want you to see a great storm. I want you to see a great storm. Whenever we study this out, we find out that this was no ordinary storm. It was a great storm that they encountered. The Bible speaks of many storms uh, uh, of one kind or another as we study it. In Luke chapter number 
7, the widow of Nain was almost swamped by the waves of grief, yet Christ arrived in time to rescue her. What about Saul of Tarsus was overwhelmed by conviction, yet outside the walls of Damascus, Christ stilled the waves and brought peace to his troubled soul and saved him in Acts chapter number 9. The nobleman of Capernaum was frantic with worry, but Christ solved his problem in John chapter number 4. The thief was almost drowned amid the waves of incredible grief because the sins that he had committed while hanging on the cross beside of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yet in Luke chapter number 3, when he cried out to Jesus, Jesus had time while hanging on the cross to steal the storm in his life. The Bible, we encounter numerous different storms. The storm that came upon the disciples was a bad one. In three ways, John reports this great storm. Watch this. There's the waves in the storm. In John chapter 6, verse number 18, the Bible said this, and the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. This refers to the waves rising up and becoming greater and greater. This greatly affected the boat in which the disciples were in. Matter of fact, Matthew's account said this, the ship was tossed with the waves. There was the waves in this storm. When we think about our life today, you know what? We may not be in a boat with waves crashing in. What we would know is a physical boat and physical water. But if the truth was to be known, we are on the boat of life sailing for heaven one day, thank God, and we will reach it safely one day. But there is times in our life where the waves of this world begin begin to crash in around us and we ponder in our mind, will we even make it another day? There's the waves in this storm, but there's the wind in the storm. The sea arose in John 16, 18 again. The sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. The geography of the land around the Sea of Galilee encouraged the storms, thus making the sea prone to storms. Cold winds could often rush down the channels in the hills around the sea and coldly and violently or and collide violently with the warmer air on the sea. Warmer because the Sea of Galilee was 680 feet below sea level. And this often created what they knew is that day as a tempest of the sea or what we would know today as pretty much hurricane force winds. And I began to think about this. This is what is happening in our text. A powerful wind descends all onto the Sea of Galilee and creates this major storm in their life. As I began to read and I kept studying on the Sea of Galilee, here's what I found out. That very quickly things could change on the Sea of Galilee. In other words, one minute everything could be fine and the next minute everything could be bad. I'll never forget several years ago, um, several years ago, we went about 55 miles offshore bluefin tuna fishing. 
on a, on a guided trip, and man, I had a blast. I, I, I did. Uh, a couple of the guys with us didn't, but I did. Uh, there wasn't before of us. It was a private charter, and we was about 50 miles offshore, and man, on the way out that morning, Brother Josh, the sea was just calm, Brother Lloyd, and, and beautiful, man. The sun was coming up, and uh, I was loving every minute of it. We got out there, and we started fishing, and all of a sudden, I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden, everything changed. And we went to having uh, six to eight-foot seas with three to five-second intervals. If you don't know anything about that, we had a big storm on our hand. The sun was still shining, but boy, that wind changed and everything changed out there. I, I, I don't know if you ever um, watch fishing shows, but um, there's a, a boat called the Doghouse, and, and that boat was fishing uh, probably, I don't know, six or 700 yards away from us. That, those waves were so big. We was in like a, a 36, 38-foot boat, and it was so big that we would go up, and man, when we would go up, you would see that boat out there, and it looked like it was 10 miles away from you. And as we would go down, uh, all you could see all the way around you was a wall of water. Man, I was, I'm scared to death of water, but I was loving it. And I really am. I, and people don't understand. But I, I'll, if, you, if I'm ever around water and you start to push me in, I promise you I will dot your eyes and cross your T's real quick. Don't mess with me around water. I can't stand it. But I love to fish. You said you have a life vest on. No, I didn't have a life vest on. I was trusting Jesus if we'd have went overboard. There was a time or two I thought we was going to go overboard. Man, there was one time, there was one time, Brother Brian Cardwell got that same disease that that whale had that Jonah was in. Y'all will get that in just a minute. And I'll never forget, Brother Brian, I was standing on the back of that boat and I was stretched out as far as I could and I was holding on to the ladder with this hand and I was holding on to Brian with this hand and he was trying to get rid of what he ate for breakfast out in the ocean but it was all Brother Bailey coming right back in the boat because it was so bad. And you know what I thought in my mind? Boy, ain't we having a good time. The, everything changed in a matter of just a few minutes. On the Sea of Galilee, from what I can study, is everything can be calm at one second. Brother Fred back there, he, he loves saying T. Cooper. You say, what's your opinion of saying T. Cooper? I can't tell you in the pulpit, okay? I don't think the same thing about saying T. Cooper that he thinks about it. You say, why? Well, that's another story within itself, and, and we'll go there some other time. But it's the same thing there, Brother Fred, that I've read and studied. That at one minute everything can be calm and the next minute, in other words, your whole life can be turned upside down. Here's the disciples. God has said, get into the boat and go to the other side. The disciples are not living in disobedience. The disciples are not going against the will of God. The disciples are doing exactly what God said for them to do. And all of a sudden, their world is turned upside down. I see the waves in the storm. I see the wind in the storm. But watch this. I see the work in the storm. What did the Bible say in verse number 19? So when they had rowed about five and 20 or 30 furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea. 
The disciples were working very hard. Matter of fact, that 20 to 30 furlongs was about three miles. The disciples was working very hard, rowing in the boat uh, in the midst of the waves. Other gospel accounts inform us that the boat was in the midst of the sea, which meant it was way off course. It started out at the northeastern shore to cut across the northern part of the sea, but got caught in the wind and taken out to the middle of the sea. Some wind and some storm, and the disciples were struggling to get back on course. All of this says the storm was a really bad storm. You know what? Sometimes in life we start out on the right course Anybody else hearing a preacher this morning? We start out on the right course, but the wind starts blowing a great storm. The wind starts blowing. We start out on the right course. Can I just say it this way? How many people's not in church today? There was one time in church, they sat on the pews at our church, they was faithful to everything that we had at our church, but a storm blew in in their life and got them off course. There was a great storm, but in the midst of this great storm, number two this morning, let me move quickly. I see a great Savior. Not only a great storm, I see a great Savior. Note what the Bible says in verse number 20. But he saith unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Can I get an amen right there? It is I, be not afraid. When Jesus shows up on the scene, there was the removal of fear. The word of God, when Christ speaks, it's the word of God. It's what brings tranquility in the times of trouble. Therefore, if we want tranquility, when trials and troubles come upon us, we need to get into the word of God as much as possible. Many folk try the remedies of the world instead of the word of God, and that only aggravates their problems. But the word of God is what alleviates the problems in our life. You see, the great Savior, when he showed up, there was the removal of fear, but when he showed up, there was the revealing of God. Know what your Bible said again in verse number 20. It is I began to study these three words out, and whenever you study them out in the Greek, there are actually only two words. It's ego ima in the Greek. These two words are uh, 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 two words that are very significant whenever you study them out. These two words in the Greek are the two words, I am, is what they are. Matter of fact, if you'll go back to the book of Exodus chapter number 3, you'll find that Moses is fixing to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt's land. And God comes to Moses and tells him, I need you to do this. And God, or Moses says this to God, but whom shall I say sent me? Here's what God says back to him. You tell him the I am that I am hath sent thee. Can, you, can I say something to you? When Jesus shows up on the scene in the midst of the storm, it is the revealing of God. It wasn't just any ordinary man that walked out on the sea that night. It wasn't just any ordinary man that in the midst of their storm came to where they was at. It was God incarnated in the man. 
Oh, yes, we see the deity of Jesus Christ right here. It was the great I am. I've said this before, but let me say it again and I'll move quickly. You know what? A lot of times that I am is followed by something. I am a pastor. I am a father. I am a husband. I am this. I am that. But you know what God said? He just said, I am. You want me to tell you the reason? He put nothing after that. Here's the reason why. Whatever it is that you need today, that is what he is. If you need a father, he'll be a father. If you need a mother, he'll be a mother. If you need a brother, he'll be a brother. If you need a sister, he'll be a sister. If you're in the midst of the valley, uh, you'll find a lily in the valley. Uh, If it's the midnight hour, you'll find a great and morning star. You say, what is it? He is the great I am. When we look at this, there's a great storm, but in the midst a great storm. We find a great Savior. Our problem is this. We look at the storm instead of the sovereign. Oh yes, I see a great Savior. And I'll show you something about him. How wonderful he is. He walks on the water. He couldn't sink. He was the master of the situation. He was the one that allowed the storm to begin to begin with. How wonderful he is. How wonderful he is. You say, preacher, you don't know where I'm at. How wonderful he is. You say, preacher, you don't know how dark the days are. How wonderful he is. You say, preacher, you don't know where I'm going through. How wonderful he is. Preacher, you don't know what's ailing my body right now. How wonderful he is. You know what? You can study everything you want to study about God and there's just one thing that you have to say about him. He is wonderful today. He's wonderful. He's wonderful. You say, well, why did he let this happen in my life? I don't know why he let it happen, but I do know this. Isaiah said his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And if we could figure out why he did let it happen, how big of a God would he be if we could figure him out? How wonderful this morning. How wonderful. Can I ask you a question this morning? You ever been at that midnight hour in your life with the disciples? Is that right here? The waves of life are crashing in around you and you're wondering what in the world you're going to do. And then just all of a sudden, out of the middle of nowhere, you just couldn't really explain it, but there was a peace that came over your troubled soul. I don't know if you've ever been there, but if you've been there, you know what I'm preaching right now. And inside of you, you're feeling the same thing that I'm feeling right now. Boy, there's been times in my life when I didn't know which way to go and whether it was up or down or in or out. And all of a sudden, in the middle of nowhere, sometimes it's been in the middle of the night and God's woke me up. Sometimes it's been reading my Bible. Sometimes it's been by a prayer closet. Sometimes it's been just laid prostrate out. Asking God for something in my life. Oh, but I promise you this. There'll be a time in the midst of your storm when the sovereign will show up and speak peace to your troubled soul. How wonderful. How wonderful. How wonderful. Not only how wonderful, how wise. God's wise this morning. How wise. It appeared as though he would have passed by according to Mark chapter number 6, verse number 48. You go read Mark's account of this. and The Bible said this in Mark chapter 6, verse 48. He was going to pass by them. 
You say, well, how is that wise? Well, if you'll study Luke's account, or Luke don't have an account of this, but if you'll study in the book of Luke, here's one thing that the disciples said. Luke chapter number 11, verse number 1, Lord, teach us to pray. And can I tell you something? The very thing that they had asked God to do, God was teaching them to do. We better, hear me right here real quick. We better be careful what we're asking him for. Lord, teach us to pray. So you know what he done? He threw them right in the midst of a storm when they thought they was going to die. And you know what they done? They prayed. How wonderful, how wise. But I thought about this, how willing. How willing the Savior is. You remember that? You remember that verse? I'm about done, but you remember that verse? The Bible said this in 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord's not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness. But His long-suffering, thus we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. How willing the Savior is to help us immediately. When they asked Him to enter the ship, He did so. The perilous waves began to subside. The disciples had rode hard and long to do what He accomplished in just a moment of time. Strong arms are good. Powerful words are fine. A knowledge of seamanship is invaluable. But the presence and power of Christ are worth more than all of these put together when he shows up on the scene. I see this, a great storm. I see a great Savior. But in closing, I see a great stillness this morning. A great stillness. Here's the way... Mark records it in chapter 6, verse number 51. When they, were entered, or when, they, when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. They were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Of course, we know you that knows your Bible, knows that this is also the account when we study the other Gospels, that Peter gets out of the boat, he walks on the water, and Jesus comes back. Probably the water was still, do you care to come start playing softly? Probably the water was still running from their clothing. Their hair was saturated. The boat almost waterlogged, but the wind was no longer howling. The waves were flattering out. The stars were beginning to shine again. And they had made it safely to the shoreline. They, look what your Bible said. Verse 21 of chapter 6 of John. Then they willingly received him into the ship. And immediately the ship was at the land where they went. I don't know about anybody else, but I find that real interesting. They was just in the midst of the sea. And when he got in the boat, all of a sudden they was at land. I mean, that baby had more than a Mercury Pro XS250 on the back of it. Are you with me? They was at land. It's like, bam. A great stillness. A great stillness. I thought about this. I thought about this. How many times, you remember Mark chapter number 6 verse 48 said this. He would have passed by them. How many times are we in the midst of our storm 
in the boat of life and he's circling our boat wanting to come in and help us. But we never truly ask him to. He was going to go by them. That's what the Bible just said. He was going to pass by them. You say, why was he going to pass by them? Because Jesus will never push himself on you. It's man's free will, not only in salvation, but in the storms of our life to say, hey, look, I can't do nothing else with this. This is beyond my control. The only thing that I can do is turn it over to you. You remember the account when Peter gets out of the boat. I think it's Mark that records that account. Peter gets out of the boat. Whether he should have, whether he shouldn't have, I don't know. We could talk about that all day. Because God had constrained them. Jesus constrained them to get the ship and go to the other side. And tell them to get out nowhere along the way. He just said, go to the other side. But anyway, he gets out. I know he asked Jesus and he told him to come forward. There's some things I just don't know that we need to ask about when he's giving us a direct order to do something. That's another message within itself. I'm not going to go there. Peter gets out. He walks on the water. Starts saying, cries out, Lord, save me. Jesus gets him. And he goes back to the boat. Now listen to what he said, though. In Mark 6 and in Matthew 14, Matthew 14, 32 says it this way. And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. You've heard me say this before if you've been here long and heard me preach on the storms much. The wind never ceased to Peter and Jesus got back in the boat. So there was a season in Peter's life where the storm was still raging. But with the help of the master, he continued walking in the storm. He made it back safely. God has not given us a promise that he'll he'll steal every storm in our life. But he did say this, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You remember after he resurrected 40 days later, he ascended back up into the heavens. It says it's expedient for me to go away, for if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. John also tells us that that comforter is the Holy Spirit. So that comforter is. There's times in our life when the wind's going to keep blowing and the water's going to keep crashing. But when He, the Holy Spirit, comes alongside, our paraclete, whenever you study, I don't have time to preach all this. He comes alongside just like Jesus did with Peter. And even though the wind's still blowing, the rain's still falling, and the waves are still crashing, God don't always steal the storm. Sometimes He steals me in the storm. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was still in a fiery furnace, but God was in the fiery furnace with him. Daniel still got thrown in to a den of lions, but God closed the lion's mouth. Preach what he said. I'm saying this. When I say a great stillness, it don't mean necessarily that the storm was still, but he'll still you in the storm. 
I read this and I'll give it to you in closing. An old seaman once said, during the fiercest storms, the only way a ship can survive is to keep its nose pointed straight into the wind. If you turn, if you try to turn to the left or to the right, the ship may capsize. If you try to run from the wind, the waves can surge over the stern. You know what he was saying? He was saying this, just stay the course. Happy indeed is the mariner who sees not the storm but sees the sovereign, the Savior, the Son, the Holy Spirit in the storm. Hey, now that we're saved, life is not going to always be hakuna matata. Storms is going to come. But aren't you glad that in the midst of the storm, there's a still small voice that can speak peace to a troubled soul. Father.